welcome to A Year in a Day. I'm Jamie Davis, board-certified family law attorney at Gaylor Hunt. On this show, I talk with lawyers, psychologists, and other experts with the goal of helping you navigate divorce without destruction. In this episode, I'm talking with Claire Gill, founder of the National Menopause Foundation, and we'll be discussing menopause and divorce. The intersection of these two life events raises questions, challenges, and emotions that require attention and understanding. Join us as we explore the complex dynamics, share personal stories, and provide insights into how to navigate this significant transition. Whether you're contemplating divorce, in the midst of it, or supporting someone who is, this episode will offer valuable perspectives and guidance on this often uncharted territory. Thanks for joining me, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. This is a great topic to cover, and uh, I'm really excited to talk with you about it. Yes, I'm really interested in hearing what you have to say. So, so tell us about the National Menopause Foundation. So I founded the National Menopause Foundation at the end of 2019. I've been working for a number of years in women's health in another uh, area, and it came to my attention that there was nothing traditionally what we call patient advocacy related for women at menopause. And I thought this couldn't be possible because there's really a nonprofit for just about everything. Yet there was this huge gap in um, helping and supporting women at menopause. So um, we launched, as I said, at the end of 2019. And our mission is to demystify this normal life stage and help provide um, good, scientifically sound information and education for women um, about, as I said, a natural stage of life that we are not taught about and we have very little conversation about. So it's really important that as we think about the different transitions we go through throughout our life period, we, we are knowledgeable about this one as well. What a wonderful resource. I am so glad that you are here to talk to us about all of these wonderful things that you're right. There's just not a lot of information out there that's easily available to women on this issue. Yeah, it's really when you think about how much we know and learn about puberty, you know, the beginning of this um, journey we take um, through our reproductive years. And then there's parenting and or birthing classes and things like that, if that's what you choose to, you know, to do. And then there's nothing yet all women, if we live long enough and are healthy enough, will experience menopause at one stage or another. We won't all become mothers, but we will all experience menopause. And yet there is no basic education about it. And it can be really, really confusing for women. And particularly as we're talking about on this podcast, when you have other things happening in your life as well, some other major changes that you're contemplating or considering or experiencing through no choice of your own, um, menopause can either um, complicate that or support that, I guess. So let's talk about that. Is there a relationship between menopause and divorce? I don't know that there's any statistics about it. That would be really interesting to pursue a little deeper. But what I do know is on almost every conversation, webinar, um, a group meeting that um, I've been part of about menopause, one of the things referenced is, oh my God, I thought I was going to get a divorce. I wanted to leave my spouse. I wanted to leave my children. This is just unbelievable. And um, that's a common theme. So I would imagine for several reasons 
there is probably a connection to it when people choose to um, pursue divorce uh, at this stage of life in the you know in middle what we consider middle age you know late forties to early fifties. Um, one of the things I say to people is you know as you're journeying through this time, if you are experiencing you know sudden changes in your relationship. One of the things we do need to take stock of is our own mental and physical health at this stage of life, because that can, as I say, play a part in how we're interacting with those in our in our lives. So what do you think are some of the key factors that link these two very big life events, divorce and menopause? Well, I think one of the things is, uh, again, with the lack of education, the understanding about what actually happens to us at menopause. I think the symptoms we're most familiar with and that we've seen in pop culture are, you know, hot flashes, um, hot flashes and night sweats, which are also called medically vascular motor symptoms. Um, so they're the most common symptom that women experience. All races, all ethnicities, all ages of women experience um, those hot flashes and night sweats. But what we're not aware of is that there's over 30 symptoms of menopause. And some of those actually relate to our psychological health, um, our mental health. And um, those are the things that are, I think, are more confusing. When we start to have depression or anxiety, when we may not have had that previously in our lives, or when those suffering from depression and anxiety get more severe uh, symptoms in those areas, that can be because, again, of the emo- of the sorry the um, the hormonal changes happening in our bodies, and those are the things that we don't talk about. So, for instance, we say the things that maybe we could put up with, <laughs> uh, the habits that our you know our spouses or our children um, have always exhibited, all of a sudden become just unbearable, and that we think, oh my god, I can't take this anymore. Um, And so that is the kind of thing where I think it's really important for women to be aware of, oh, there's a lot going on. If you think back to puberty and what a roller coaster that was, well, the same is happening to us at menopause and as we journey to menopause. And there's also, honestly, basic misunderstanding about what a menopause is. Menopause itself is just the day your period has stopped for 12 consecutive months. That's menopause. Everything before it is called perimenopause, and everything after it is postmenopause. But what we think of as menopause is really that journey, right, when we start to experience symptoms. And if you don't know that you can experience those symptoms seven to 10 years before your period stops, well, then you're in your 40s thinking, oh my God, I can't stay with the person I'm with. I don't want to be around this situation, and not realizing, oh, your body has started these changes. And it's going to have like an extreme effect, perhaps, on your decision making. So that's, I think, part of the link. And that's what I'd say, Jamie, is just cautioning people as we talk about making big decisions about life changes at this stage of life. We need to really think about, did the issues you have, have they always been in the relationship? You know, and if so, then that's a clear sign that, you know, you you really need to do something and do work on that relationship or leave that relationship. But if you're suddenly 
having these issues and they're related to things that um, maybe didn't bother you before, <laughs> then that's kind of me a sign to say, okay, maybe it's a communications problem and really need to talk with both your healthcare provider and your partner about what's happening and perhaps some of those, you know, opportunities to get support for the symptoms that we're having at menopause will also help the relationship. So we talked about how, you know, perhaps the symptoms of menopause can cause you to be less patient and things may bother you now that didn't bother you before. In what other ways do you think these physical changes can impact a marriage and what challenges can they pose for couples? Well, the truth is we're also going through, you know, actual visible physical changes as we go through menopause. And one of the things that women get um, concerned about because we are not supportive of women and aging in our culture you know, sometimes there's weight gain. And so women are feeling a little bit um, less confident about themselves. And there's also huge changes to our sexual health and our sexual desire. And that's another thing that we don't talk about when it comes to, you know, addressing menopause and what happens to us at menopause. Many of the symptoms of menopause that impact our sexual health have easy solutions. And yet women are not provided with the information from their healthcare providers because we don't talk about it with our healthcare providers. No one wants to really go into the doctor and say, hey, I'm having vaginal drying. What can I do about this? Particularly if they have a male doctor and not a female doctor that they're they're experiencing this with. And even having those conversations with partners is hard. There is another symptom, a common symptom at menopause is loss of libido. And so then your partner might start feeling neglected. You know, oh, they're not sexually attracted to me anymore. We have no physical relationship anymore. All of those things. And again, if it's not talked about, then it just becomes a vacuum where neither party understands what the other is feeling or why. And for women too, not realizing that, that oh, I don't have that intense desire that I once had is not anything to do with your relationship or your partner. That is an actual physical reaction you're having to losing estrogen. And again, there's many things from hormone replacement therapy to you know vaginal um, uh, estrogen to even just lubrication that can be uh, you know applied that really does help a relationship. But that is not common discussion in our culture and in our relationships. So it can be really confusing. And again, if you're not willing to talk about it, sometimes it's just assumptions made and then bad feelings occur and that just grows and grows and grows. Right. I mean, the first step to fixing any problem is you have to talk about it and you have to address it with, with your support people, right? Um, you know, if you're married and you have a supportive spouse, bring up these issues with your spouse and, you know, hopefully the two of you can work together to find a solution. Yeah. But even, you know, again, knowing that it's normal, that it's not just you. Right. It's so funny. We kind of still, I have, um, you know, my daughter's young. I still have moms in the school who are, you know, 10 to 20 years younger than me. And they'll come up, those are that are reaching that menopausal stage and they'll come up and be like, Hey, are you doing that menopause thing? I'm like, yeah, we don't have to whisper about it. You can actually, you can say it. We can talk about it. Um, just having girlfriends that you can talk to about it and say, you know, but again, 
it's a really hard thing to initiate. And so that's why I hope the National Menopause Foundation will help by providing this information free and anonymous. And it's, you know, however women need to get it, either on our website or through a podcast or in a newsletter that lets them know, oh, this is very normal. I'm not the only one experiencing this. That makes it easier to have the conversation than even approaching your best friend and being like, hey, how's your sex life going? I mean, (laughs) you don't do that, you know? And so, but it's funny because sometimes when an article appears or it talks about that, then you have the conversation or even a podcast like this where people listen to it and hear, oh, wow, that's happening to me too. And then you can reference it and joke about it and talk about it. And that's really what's important, but it's not easy. It's not easy for women to have these conversations, yet it's really important. So what are some of the common misconceptions or stereotypes surrounding menopause and its connection to divorce that you've encountered? Well, there's tons of misconceptions about menopause and midlife in general. And that is, you know, there was, um, I think, a lot of focus on um, just the negatives of it, right? You're experiencing these symptoms, you know, the, the things associated with like being hysterical or being so emotional or... Um, again, aging and becoming unattractive. And I think, I hope that some of that is changing in our culture. And I, I use the example that, you know, has been um, discussed a lot in, in the menopause circles and with other organizations about, if for those of you old enough to remember the show, The Golden Girls, when The Golden Girls came out, those women that all decided to live together represented women going through menopause. Blanche was actually experiencing hot flashes and going through menopause. So when we look back on what those women looked like and now flash forward to J-Lo and Halle Berry and Gwyneth Paltrow and who are actually all talking about menopause, that's what a woman at menopause looks like today and is, you know, being um, uh, shared with people. And I think that's very different. So that misconception that life ends at menopause is one of the biggest, you know, aha moments for me where it's like, oh, no, 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 that's that doesn't have to be true. Um, but it is, again, a, just a cultural thing that we have that people don't appreciate aging and women aging in particular um, the way that we should. And so I think the change has to happen among women themselves and realizing this is a really empowering time of life. The other big misconception, like, we joke about, and not if it's a misconception, but more of the a positive that's not discussed about menopause is so many women talk about the fact that they've never felt better, stronger, more confident going into this stage of life. And if we could just teach our younger selves to feel this way, how much better we'd be throughout our whole lives. You know, you care less about what other people think. And you really follow your own internal compass. And that's just one of the pluses that comes with reaching this stage of life. And so those are the things that I think are really important. And when you tie that back to the topic we're talking about today, divorce, I think, too, some of the you know women and men who experience uh, divorce at this stage of life comes from that empowerment, right? Maybe they weren't in a position to do something about the relationship issues they were having or to take that leap. And then they reach menopause and realize, no, this is, this is what 
is right for me. This is what I need to do to make the rest of my life healthy and happy. And um, so again, I think that might be too why we see a lot of divorce at midlife. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, there has been a market increase in what we call great divorce, divorce over 50. And it seems to be one of the reasons, in my experience, is that women especially no longer have to settle. They have their own resources, their own jobs. You know, they don't have to stay with someone that they don't want to be with just for financial support any longer. And so there seems to be a real increase in people that get to that stage of life and they're like, I still have a lot of life left. I want to be happy. Um, and I think that that can lead to some divorces. Absolutely. And again, that's again, taking stock of where we are in our lives and what that position is. I think also some of the empty nesting, you know, there's such guilt sometimes when you think about breaking up your family unit. And so when the children are off on their own, you know, moving on to college or things like that, that's also a time for couples to say, oh, it's just the two of us. And like you said, are we happy? Is this right. right or are we moving in different directions? Do we want different things? And so it's important, again, to have that kind of communication. In all things, I think it's really a great time to take stock of our lives as we reach menopause with, for women, physically and emotionally. How are things going? You know, what do we want out of life? And then making sure that we're taking steps to lead us in that direction. So for any listeners that we have who may be considering divorce during menopause, what can they do to prepare themselves? Well, I guess there's a lot of different things. I would say from you know the perspective of just the health aspect to it, it is making sure that you do have a support system and that you are making the decisions about your life based on the reality versus a temporary symptom you might be experiencing, right? The depression, the anxiety, the loss of libido, all of those things will not last. So, you know, do you want to make a permanent change over something that is not a permanent situation? I think that's really an important thing to consider. So I would say make sure that when you talk about having your support system, it's making sure that you're checking on your physical health, that you are aware and keeping track of your symptoms that you might be having physically, emotionally, all of that. We have an excellent checklist of the symptoms of menopause on our website, which is nationalmenopausefoundation.org. And I think, you know, again, just sort of knowing what's happening to you, both physically and emotionally at this time, will help you make the right decision about whether or not a permanent change is needed in your relationship or a big conversation about what you're experiencing and the support you need. And it might be, I need more time to myself. I need to be able to pursue some of my own interests at this time. And maybe that will help with the relationship versus this person doesn't understand me, I'm experiencing all of these things I don't understand. I'm changing and I don't know why I'm changing, but my attitude, my behaviors, all of that is changing. And so if you know what those changes are or those things are that you need and you're kind of tracking that a little bit, I think that'll help you make the decision, as I said, whether or not there's always been something wrong in the relationship or you've always been feeling this way and it's just amplified because you're at this stage of life versus 
this has come on due to hormonal changes that you're having. I mean, it seems like that could be very complicated to determine given that, you know, perimenopause can last for years. I mean, how do you, you know, if you've been having these symptoms for years, at, at what point do you say it's the relationship versus it's the symptoms that I've now had for five years? I think that could be very hard to discern. Well, I think one of the big things would be, like you said, that conversation with your partner. If you go to your partner and say, hey, I've been having these symptoms. I think I'm going through, you know, this, I think I'm going through menopause or I'm perimenopausal. Here's what I'm feeling. How that partner responds to that, you know, if it's, what can I do, right? Or I've noticed, you know, how can we, you know, is what do you need is a very different response than, well, it's your problem or go fix it, right? Um, yeah. I would say the first means you potentially have an opportunity to actually really work on the relationship while you're figuring out the symptom thing versus the this person, you know, is making it all about you and your problems and not sharing in the fact that it's a partnership. So I would think, you know, that that kind of says it. If you don't feel comfortable talking to your partner at all about your own physical changes or what you want in life, again, I think that's another symptom of, you know, problems in a relationship, perhaps that, you know, either counseling maybe could solve or et cetera. But I think all of that needs to be you know, really looked at carefully. And it's going to be very different for every woman, just like every woman experiences menopause very differently. You might have no reaction to me. You might go through, I've had women say, oh, I just sailed through. I didn't even notice. And then I've had other women say, it has been the most difficult stage of my life. It was worse than birth. It was, you know, the pain of birth. I've just had all of these you know, changes physically that have been so dramatic and I had no idea that it was coming. And so again, just like in anything in our lives, it's just a different experience. So know yourself first and really figuring out what makes you happy and what you need, I think is going to be, is going to be the key. Like you said, it's hard to just say, well, I'm having hot flashes. So therefore everything wrong with my relationship is related to my hot flash. That's not realistic. You know, but as I said, if you're experiencing depression or anger or emotional mood swings in a way that you haven't before and little things set you off, um, I was joking and actually in a previous podcast about um, uh, my reaction to my husband and daughter not picking up after themselves. Well, they've never really picked up themselves. You know, there's socks on the floor. There's this lying here, that's lying there. And all of a sudden I'm in the middle of our kitchen crying because they won't like put the butter back in the fridge after using it and being like, I can't take this anymore. And so I was laughing to myself being like, oh, right. Why now is this, am I having such an overreaction to it? Or like what I think is an overreaction. Um, when I, I was able to, you know, put up with it for years before, I think that's it. Then it was my, oh, right. I'm, I'm experiencing some changes. Let me just take a deep breath. Let me just let this, this moment pass for a minute and then start seeing if I'm noticing patterns in, oh, I'm getting upset about something that I normally don't get upset about, or I'm tired in a way I've never been tired before. That's another big one where, you know, we think I'm just so exhausted. I'm just exhausted by it all. And then you realize that really is just our bodies changing and it's not 
going to be forever. We will get that energy back. We will get our libido back. We will feel better in our own skin. It's just trying to adjust to these stages, just like we all made it through, you know, puberty. We survived, came out the other end. (laughs) Well, can you share any success stories or examples of how individuals have navigated menopause and divorce successfully while minimizing stress and complications? I I don't have anything specific to share other than like, you know, related to what what happened in the relationship or where it went. But I was talking recently with some friends and a group of friends and one of them shared that she was thinking about, you know, making, taking this step. But it was, um, it wasn't out of um, anger or emotion. It was a change in direction of how their life was going and their relationship was going and um, seemed to be very friendly, but just sort of thinking this isn't, this isn't for us long-term. And um, so I, my reaction to that was like, wow, that's really mature way to look at it. Right. That this is just, wow, we're not, we're not kind of right at this stage in our lives for each other. And it doesn't have to be adversarial. It can just be, we're, We've grown into different people and, you know, now we're thinking about pursuing different things um, and and not together. Some people choose to pursue different things together and others, you know, choose to, again, take that, that step and separate. I've heard a lot of women say, oh, my God, I thought I was going to get a divorce going through this stage of life and kind of laughing about it later, you know, being like, oh, my God, yeah. Because more and more women said, again, on these webinars or on these calls or in these online communities, oh, my God, me too. And then realizing, oh, yeah, this is just something that happens as we change those amplifications of things that bother us or things that we want and and all of those things. So I do think there's a way to do it, um, but it's to do it in a healthy way. And that has nothing to do, though, again, with situations of domestic abuse or, you know, uh, or other kind of um, symptoms in a marriage that have nothing to do with the woman choosing to change her life at this stage. You know what I mean? I think there's those are things that we have to be very careful about. No one should stay in a relationship that is unhealthy thinking, oh, it might I'm just experiencing hormonal changes. It's all me. You know, I said, I want to be very careful about that. It's really important to talk with someone, talk with your healthcare provider, talk with a friend or someone you trust to sort of help you navigate whether or not, you know, you're experiencing something that is a temporary thing due to a change of life versus something that is unsafe and unhealthy and you need to remove yourself from it. Yeah, that's a a great point since so many abusers like to resort to gaslighting anyway. And if you're just relying on what they're saying to you, that it's all you and not them, that can certainly be problematic. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I know it's really difficult and we we talk um, a lot in our medical training um, that we do. So I'm often asked to speak on continuing medical education programs for clinicians who are working with women at menopause. And I do other medical training through um, the organization I run on the bone health side. And one of those things is how to have that conversation with your doctor, even difficult conversations. You know, I talked earlier about maybe you don't want to talk about, you know, your sexual experience with a with your doctor to sort of share that. But that's actually part of their role. And 
they should actually be bringing it up with women at midlife, believe it or not. Um, it shouldn't be on the woman to have to have these conversations. They should be asking you about symptoms as you approach menopause. They should be asking you about your sexual health. But they're also busy, right? We have 15 minutes now with our healthcare provider, and we're usually there because we have some kind of, you know, uh, condition or symptom or something that we're checking up on. But you can schedule time to have that conversation with your clinician. And I think if if we were empowered enough to do that and say, hey, I'm experiencing some of these symptoms, I'd like to talk to you about it. And it doesn't, again, the physical symptoms, whether or not, again, that's dry skin or your hair changing texture or you know, falling out, or again, hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, anxiety, all of those things you can talk to your healthcare professional about. And I would say we hear often about women being dismissed and not getting the support they need. But I think there's also a number of healthcare professionals out there who would be willing to be supportive. They're just not asked and they don't have the time sometimes to make the intro, you know, themselves. So please try that first, you know, with your healthcare provider. And if they can't support you, they can recommend you to other resources. So whether that be, again, the National Menopause Foundation to get educational support or to be part of our online community for peer-to-peer support, or perhaps, again, someone to help you with your, um, you know, uh, counseling needs. Those are things that your healthcare provider can assist with. So don't be afraid to ask. In your experience, what are some of the most common regrets or mistakes that individuals make during the divorce process when menopause is a factor? You know, I honestly don't know. I have to say, I don't really know the answer to that. We haven't done any studies uh, regarding that, the impact of menopause and divorce. And I haven't heard from women about their regrets uh, to this. It would be a really interesting study, though, and something that I'll certainly look into, because I think that is something that maybe we're not making a correlation um, and it could be something that would be very helpful to both couples and women, helping them to pull together that resource list of how, like as you were alluded to earlier, how do I know whether or not this is something that's being you know influenced by what I'm experiencing versus a real problem in my relationship? And unfortunately, I don't know of any resources right now that um, that distinguish between the two. Um, I'll check on it though. And if there's other research out there that I'm not aware of, I will definitely pass it along to you and then you can share it with your listeners. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I mean, just kind of thinking through the different issues, I'm wondering if maybe a regret could be that a person made a decision to separate without really talking to the medical provider and really thinking through is this just situational, right? Like, am I just feeling this way because I'm undergoing this life change that really truly has nothing to do with my relationship or not? I mean, I can see where somebody maybe makes that decision to separate without having done the the self-analysis first, and perhaps that could be a regret. Yeah, I would say that would be a regret at any stage of life, choosing to end a relationship without giving it some real thought. We talk about, in other areas, the you know, don't make a major life decision after a big loss. 
right? We, we talk about it from that. That's a common one that we're all aware of. Well, I think the same thing would be, you know, again, if, if you're hitting a major life stage, don't make a huge decision without giving it some considerable thought. And as you said, kind of getting the, the resources and the support you need to determine whether or not it is a, a permanent solution to a temporary situation. Um, so yeah, I would say that though, across the board, I don't think, I think having a regret about not giving enough real thought to something would be um, true of any stage of life and not just menopause, you know, but I think in other stages of life, we're probably more aware of it. If you just had a baby and you're depressed, we all know about postpartum right. depression, right? You're not probably going to leave your spouse while you're going through that because you realize, oh, there's some other stuff going on with me. We don't talk about it at menopause, though, and it's the same thing. Wait and figure out how to best take care of you first, yourself, get and address the symptoms that you're having. And then again, you'll have, be in a much better place to decide whether or not you actually need to make a permanent change. That's some great advice. I hope our listeners will um, heed that advice. I think it's very helpful. Oh, good. Well, again, I think helping women to know themselves and know their bodies better is sort of the basics. It's something that it really surprises me that in you know 2023, we're still talking about the fact that we don't know as women. And actually, science doesn't know. There's unanswered questions about women's physical health. And I think we all need to advocate for more attention to that. We need to demand that research dollars be spent helping to support and improve women's health. And, um, and that's not the case. That's been neglected for far too long. So I hope as women journey to this stage of life that they will advocate for themselves more, demand more from their clinicians and more support for the symptoms that they're having, and then also to make sure that we continue to prioritize women's health across the lifespan. Well, you are reading my mind and anticipating my next question, um, because I was getting ready to ask you, what are some of the broader societal or cultural changes that we should be advocating for to better support menopausal women facing divorce? Yeah, well, universally, we need to um, prioritize women's health, as I said. It is, it is just not a priority. Um, I've seen it in uh, disease states, you know, chronic diseases that impact women more than men just don't get prioritized the way diseases that prioritize that, you know, impact men more get prioritized within our, within our health system, um, demanding access to care. So there are good treatments that are available, both medicinal and uh, natural for menopausal symptoms. And some insurance companies don't cover them or only cover certain types of treatment. That's unacceptable. Women should be able to have access to the full spectrum of treatments available, no matter whether that's dealing with menopausal symptoms or other diseases that do impact women. And I'm talking about osteoporosis, heart disease, breast cancer. We need to ensure that we have access to all the available treatments and that the decision about which treatments to take are between the woman and her healthcare provider. That's it. And we all know that that's not really the case these days. And so that's something that I think we can all advocate for. And then um, more research 
into this stage of life and to women's health overall. There's been fascinating things I've learned on this journey of both my own menopausal journey and also starting the Menopause Foundation about what we know about the female reproductive system and what we know about the female body in general. And one of the interesting things that I've been hearing recently is that we really need to stop referring to the ovary as a reproductive organ. It is involved in reproduction, but the impact of the ovary on women's health and the, what the loss of estrogen does to our bodies, not just not being able to reproduce, but as far as our brain health, our cardiac health, our immune health is incredible. And we know very little about it still. So those are the things that I really hope we all individually advocate for, um, whether that's supporting you know, representatives who are supporting women's health and supporting research, or speaking out and responding to issues that come up um, in either in your state or your local community or at the national level that are impacting women's health. We all can have a say in that. Claire, this has been such a wonderful and informative discussion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And really, I hope that everyone listening um, has a good perspective on how they can take stock of their overall health and well-being at midlife and beyond. thanks again for joining us and thank you for listening if you like this episode be sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss the next one while the information presented is intended to provide you with general information to navigate divorce without destruction this podcast is not legal advice this information is specific to the law in north carolina if you have any questions before taking any action consult an attorney who is licensed in your state if you are in need of assistance in North Carolina, you can contact us at Gaylor Hunt by visiting divorcestuff.com. I'm Jamie Davis, and I'll talk with you next time on A Year in a Day.